That was great, ladies. That was great. That was great. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad we can have fun in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's great. There's plenty, there's plenty to cry about, and thank the Lord we can laugh a little bit and have a good time in, in a good Christian spirit. I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about something that's very important this evening. I was excited about the message tonight, and I'm, I'm still excited about it this evening because I think it's, I think it's going to help you. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 4. We were in California with the kids just a few weeks ago, and I was just having some personal devotions, and I came across Hebrews chapter 4, and I was reading, and God began to speak to my heart, and I just started making some notes and doing some highlighting and and sure enough, God directed me back there. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject tonight. Why preaching does not profit. Why preaching does not profit. Now, I'm all for preaching. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to tell you why preaching doesn't do anything. Why preaching doesn't make an effect or have an effect. And so I want you to find your place. Hebrews chapter 4, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us around the house, if you're able to stand, that is. Hebrews chapter 4 and let's begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, as God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. And you may be seated tonight. And I want to direct your attention to verse number 2. It's our text tonight. And the Bible says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Wow, what a statement. What a statement. Now, I hope that statement will mean a little bit more. I don't expect it to mean a lot to you right now, but I hope it will make a little bit more sense here in just a few minutes. And so let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us and we'll preach just for a moment tonight. Father, we thank you for the good day you've given us and thank you for the decisions. Thank you for the soul saved and thank you for the decisions made. And God, I pray that tonight you would, uh, Lord, that you would come and meet with us like you often do. God, I think about those that are watching by way of internet tonight and uh, we don't know who's watching, don't know what state they live in, not sure what their issue is tonight. But I pray for those that are watching by way of live stream. And God, I pray that you would do a, an amazing work of grace in their lives tonight. And Lord, it could be that there may be watching, somebody may be watching that doesn't even know for sure that they're born again and on their way to heaven. And I pray tonight would be the night that they would accept the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart and life and uh, Lord, receive his free gift of salvation. I pray that would happen tonight. Lord, if there may be somebody in this service that needs that, I pray tonight they would make that same decision. Lord, bless our time and our discussion together, and I pray that you'll help us to make much of Jesus Christ. 
We love you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. I'm interested in that phrase in verse number two. The Bible says, but the word preached did not profit them. Interesting, man. I'm just mesmerized over this verse. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. In other words, the gospel was preached to do two different groups. But the preaching ministered to one group. But then he said, the word, but the word preached did not profit them. Have you ever wondered about that? Why is it that some people seem to be changed through preaching and church while others seem to never get it? I mean, you'll see some come in and, and uh, they get under the word and it's almost an immediate thing. They begin to grow. They begin to sprout. Man, uh, the fruits of the Spirit begin to take off in their life. But at the same time, you see some that come, and they come, but yet they never seem to grow. They struggle. They flounder in their Christian life. Well, notice, again, our Scripture, and I believe the Bible tells us why that is. Verse 2 again, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Look at this, comma, and here's the answer. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I'm going to put a few things up on the screen tonight, and uh, I want to put this, this statement. If Bible preaching is not mingled with faith, it does not profit. Now, that's what the Bible says there. There were some who really took a hold of the word and they grew and yet there were others who it just sort of fell on deaf ears and they never did a whole lot a whole lot more and never grew in their Christian life. And the reason, and thank the Lord for the Bible, thank the Lord the Bible makes it so simple and he tells us the reason. The reason it did not make a, a difference with some was because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So, uh, so Bible preaching, if not mingled with faith, does not profit. So here's the question tonight. What does it mean when it says mix with faith? How can we, how can we mingle our faith or mix our faith with preaching? And I, I, again, that got my curiosity peaked, and I wanted to know what that meant. So I begin to look up that word faith, mingled with faith or mixed with faith, and that word faith means a couple things that I want to share with you tonight. First of all, the word faith there means this. It means moral conviction, moral conviction. In other words, if preaching is not mixed with moral conviction, it does not profit. That's what the Bible's saying. Now, I want to make two statements here. Number one is this. I believe the preacher, first of all, I believe the preacher should preach with moral conviction. I believe the preacher ought to preach. Listen, I believe he ought to act like he believes what he's preaching on. Amen. That's right. Now, someone said this. Someone said that preaching is one doubter trying to get a whole lot of other doubters to believe in something. And that's true. That is true. We all lack faith from time to time. We all doubt. We're all doubters from time to time. Come on, be honest now. Don't look at me so pious out there. We all doubt from time to time. And that's why God has given us the church and that's why God has given us preaching. And so preaching is one doubter 
trying to get a whole lot of other doubters to believe in something. But if the preacher does not believe what he's preaching and he's not convinced of what he's preaching, how many know this, that others are not going to believe any more than he believes? Now, I said that say this. Don't go to a church and listen to a preacher who preaches with no moral conviction. And uh, we've got people right now that are praying about, uh, you know, they're searching for a church and, and, uh, and, and uh, look, they're looking at Calvary. And, and I gave uh, these folk the same answer that I give to everybody, and that's this. Seek the Lord's will and just seek the Lord's will. And if it's God's will for you to be here, we want you here at Calvary Baptist Church. And we're excited about you being here at Calvary Baptist Church. But if it's not God's will for you to be here, well, we don't want you to do uh, that which is not the will of God. And so you pray about it. But if I could just put this little addendum on the end there, wherever you go, make sure that you do not go somewhere where the preaching is done without moral conviction. Uh, make sure that you go somewhere where the preacher believes what he preaches and preaches what he believes. Abraham Lincoln said it like this, when I hear a man preach, I want him to act as if he's fighting bees. I like that, amen. Might not hurt us to, to get back to some of that. I remember several years ago, it's been, in fact, it's been a long time ago now, several years ago, it's been a long time. And, uh, but there was a, a crusade that took place not too far from here and we had some folks that wanted us to, it was a youth crusade, and uh, we had some folks and some pastors who wanted us to get involved in it, and we wanted to try to accommodate and, and be a blessing, and, and so I said, yes, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get involved and cooperate, and they wanted people to help with the parking, and they wanted help with, uh, people to help with the ushering and uh, taking up the offerings and, and all the different things that, that, uh, that take place. And, uh, and so we wanted to, to, to try to, to do that. We got a good crowd of our youth together, and we went down each night. But uh, I, I'm just going to, you know, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, church. It was just a little bit on the dead side. And uh, the music was sort of uppity and sort of formal. And, uh, and uh, uh, oh, goodness gracious, don't take this the wrong way, but uh, the preaching was just sort of dead. And I was burdened. I was burdened because hey, every night we were taking a, a large group of young people over there, and yet there just wasn't a lot of life, and there wasn't a lot of electricity in the service. And, and I remember sitting there one night, and the visiting evangelist that they had, and I'm sure he's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean this critically. I don't mean it to come, to come across critically. But I'll never forget as I was sitting, and I can remember sitting back on this side of the auditorium toward the back with our young people, and I'll never forget the, that the speaker said this. He said, I'm going to let you go because he said, I'm even boring myself right now. When he said that, I thought, and maybe this was carnal, but when he said that, I thought, I wish you would let us go. Uh, because you know what? If you don't believe anymore in what you're preaching, then the way it's coming across, then I'd rather us go somewhere else and get involved in another meeting. Now, uh, this is what I'm saying. Preaching is not going to make a difference. It's not going to have an effect if it is not coupled and mingled with moral conviction. And the preacher ought to preach when he gets in the pulpit. And by the way, I'm not saying that every preacher has the same preaching style because they don't. Every preacher's got a different preaching style. Mays Jackson. How many remember Brother Mays? Brother Mays. Brother Mays, the old truck driver special. And, and Brother Mays, hack. He was a hacking preacher. And uh, Brother Mays was a jewel. I mean, he was a gem. And every year he'd come to our church 
And after the service, my wife and I would go to him. We'd say, and he, Brother Mays was a big man, and he would sweat while he preached. And we'd say, Brother Mays, let us take your shirt home, and we'll wash your shirt. My wife will press it for you, and we'll bring it back the next day. And, uh, man, he was, a, he was a, a, just a blessing. And it was my privilege to be able to sit and eat with him some meals and, and enjoy his fellowship and his advice and I thank God for that. But then I think about men like Adrian Rogers, who I was listening to just a few minutes before I came to the service tonight. And sometimes I, I think, oh God, would you give me what Adrian Rogers has got? I, I wish I had that kind of delivery that Adrian Rogers had. And I wish I had that kind of delivery that, that Amaze Jackson has or a Joe Arthur that gets up here and, and man, just preaches the house down. And wait a minute now, you know, preaching styles are different, but here's what I'm saying. Whatever preacher you go to hear and whatever preaching you get involved, you make sure that the preaching is done with moral conviction. Now, I want to get the Bible in on this tonight. I don't want you just to hear it from your preacher, but I want us to see it tonight. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, and we're going to turn to a few places. First of all, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse number 2. And here young Timothy is going down to pastor a church in a wicked, wicked place called Ephesus. Ephesus. And uh, it's there that they're serving the God of Aphrodite and, uh, and just wicked, wicked, uh, sensual worship in this city. And Timothy's going there to pastor a church. And here's the veteran Paul, Apostle Paul. And Paul is giving advice to this young preacher in the faith. And the Lord lets us look into this. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, here's this grizzled veteran, the apostle Paul. And he says to this young man, Timothy, verse 2, he said, preach the word. He said, be instant, in season, out of season. And then he said this to Timothy. Timothy, he said, reprove. And he said, rebuke and exhort with all long suffering." And doctrine. In other words, man, when you go down there and you preach to those people, he said, man, you preach with moral conviction. I'm not going to have you turn there. But Isaiah chapter 58 and verse number one, when God addressed his prophet Isaiah, he said to Isaiah, cry loud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. How many know that the trumpet's one of the loudest instruments in the whole entire orchestra? And God came to his prophet and he said, Isaiah, he said, when you go down there and preach to those people, he said, you lift your voice up and he said, you tell it like it is. Now, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that preaching ought to be coupled with moral conviction, moral conviction. Uh, people say, well, don't go down to Calvary. They're a little wild in their preaching. You call it what you want, brother, but it beats that deadhead preaching any day of the week. Amen, amen. That's right. I'm not gonna back up or apologize for that. Brother, church after church after church after church after church across America today, people sat in the service and in the back they could not hear what was going on and they said, can you hear what he's saying? I can't hear it. Listen, brother, get in that pulpit and preach with moral conviction. When God addressed his prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter six and verse number 11, he said this to Ezekiel, thus saith the Lord God, smite with thy hand. And he said, stamp with thy foot. And uh, say, alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel. By the way, you read that, and there's an exclamation mark right there. What was God saying to Ezekiel? Preach and prophesy and do so with moral conviction. 
Now I want you to take your Bibles. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. And I want you to look with me at verse number 24. And here the apostle Paul is. <laughs> and Paul's been given, he's been given liberty to speak. And if you give the apostle Paul liberty, you better watch out. And Paul is not just preaching, but Paul's preaching with in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. In Acts chapter 24, verse 24, the Bible says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul. <laughs> and the Bible says, And heard him concerning the faith in Christ. <laughs> Look at verse 25. Oh, yes. The Bible says, And as he reasoned, this is Paul, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, temperance. What's temperance, preacher? That's self-control. Self-control. Not just doing anything, not just uh, living on the edge, but controlling yourself. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Look what happened. The Bible says Felix trembled. <laughs> Man, he's shaking in his boots, brother. And uh, look what he said. And answered, go thy way. Go thy way for this time. And when I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. You know what that means, Paul? I'm under such heavy conviction right now. If I don't get out of this service, I'm going to get saved. I mean, if I don't get out of this service, I'm, God's going to probably kill me. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll have you come back and preach another time. But we notice here that Felix is literally trembling. Why? Because Paul was preaching with moral conviction. Turn over just a page or two to Acts chapter 26. And look, if you will, at verse number 24. Again, I love it. I love it. The apostle Paul has been given liberty to speak. And notice in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 24, Paul is giving his testimony. He's telling about his Damascus Road experience. He's telling about when the Lord reached down and saved him. And Paul is, is getting excited and he's just, I mean, go back and read the whole chapter. Paul's just really giving a, a great testimony. And verse number 24, the Bible says, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, he said, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. He said, you're crazy. You're the craziest preacher I've ever heard in my life. Now, you say, Pastor, what's going on? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. The apostle Paul was preaching with moral conviction. Uh, you come in here and you say, boy, preacher's mad today. Not mad, not mad, mad at the devil. Yep, mad at the devil. Uh, but I'll tell you what we're doing. We're preaching with moral conviction. Uh, come in here and, and raise our voice a little bit, not because necessarily we just want to raise our voice, but we, 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 want, to, uh, we want to mingle preaching with moral conviction. Conviction, But the second statement is this. Not only should the preacher preach with moral conviction, but number two is this. The listener should hear with moral conviction. The listener should hear with moral conviction. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, right before the book of Timothy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look with me, if you will, church, to verse number 13. And notice what the Apostle Paul is teaching here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. First, First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13. Uh, he says this, For this cause 
also thank we God without ceasing. He said, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, he said, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now what's Paul saying? He's saying you need to hear the word of God with moral conviction. But look what the last part of the verse says. He said, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That means this. That means, that means we have a team. Uh, uh, we have a, 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 a teamwork on Sunday. That means that it's not just the preacher's job coming here and preach with more conviction. But that means that you are to couple your listening with moral conviction as the preacher preaches with moral conviction. In other words, this is what I'm saying. When, when you come to church, don't just come to church to go through the motions. A lot of people do that. They just come to church. Well, it's just what we do. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not just what you do. It's not just a tradition of men. Uh, and if it is, you're coming for the wrong reason. When you come to the house of God, are y'all listening? When you come to the house of God, come to get a word from the Lord. Man, that's why we come because, man, we want God to speak to our heart and we want to listen and say, Lord, I don't know about my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord, that's standing in the need of something in God. I want you to speak to me. Oh, I want Brother Looney to get something and I want Brother Clark to get something and I want Brother Ricky to get something, but, oh, God, speak to me. Oh, God, do something. Do something. I've got to have, I've got to have something. Oh, God knows. I want y'all to get something on Sunday. I do. Oh, Lord knows. I came in here last night and pray and pray and ask God to, to do something great and I want you to get something but I'm just going to admit something. When I walk in here on Sunday morning, I want to get something. Man, I need God to minister to me and speak to my heart and so you need to couple your hearing with moral conviction. By the way, I thank God that I had a mom and daddy who taught me to be a listener with moral conviction. Now you say, preacher, how did they do that? Well, when I was young, mom and daddy would make us sit on the same row as they sat or in front of them. And so that way, if I was on the same row and I started sliding down, mama could reach down and she'd pinch me, pull me back down. Or if I was sitting on the, the row in front of them and I was not paying attention, not listening, I was cutting up, just sort of going through the motions. You've heard me tell this. My mama, my little mama, would cock that finger back. I mean, man, she'd click, I mean, cock that thing like a 45 Colt. And she'd thump my ear. I mean, that thing just, I mean, listen, <laughs> numb for 10 minutes. It was numb. Now, wait a minute now, but I look back at that now and I say, hallelujah. You know what my mama was saying? She was saying, hey, boy, when you come to church, you're not just coming to church to go through the motions. When you come to church, you're coming to church to get a word from God. And when that preacher gets up to preach behind that pulpit, hey, son, I know you're young. I know you're just coming up. I know you're not really interested in all he's got to say, but you sit up and you listen and you respect him and you listen to the word and all oh, this is good tonight and listen to the preaching of the word. And so we notice here that that word faith means moral conviction. Oh, I love this. I love this. But number two, the word faith there means fidelity or faithfulness. In other words, the preaching, what, what, what the writer is saying in the book of Hebrews is this, 
the preaching did not have an effect that it should have had because there was a group that did not hear it faithfully. In other words, if preaching is not mixed with faithfulness, it does not profit. You see, if you're just sort of hit and miss and you hear preaching, then you skip two or three weeks and then you hear a sermon and you skip another week and then you hear a lesson and you skip two. Uh, you know what? That's not, uh, and somebody says, well, preachers, uh, I, I'm, just not, I'm just not getting anything anymore. No wonder you're not getting anything. You're not showing up for the meals. Well, I'm just not getting fed anymore. I ask you a question. Why were you getting fed six months ago? But you're not getting fed now. That's what I'm saying. When, the, when, the, when it's time for meal, man, be here. I mean, when the dinner bell rings, every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, every Sunday night at 6 o'clock, every Wednesday night at 7.30, when the dinner bell rings, man, make sure that you hear and you mix your, your faith uh, with fidelity. You mix your uh, preaching with fidelity. How many know this? That growth comes from fidelity. Amen. A person never grows from being sporadic. Amen. Now hear me out. Do you know how you lose weight? Now some of y'all don't have this problem. And for those of us who do, we just want to lovingly say, you make us sick. Amen. In Christian love, that is. In Christian love. Some of y'all, like Wayne Brown, can eat and 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 stay right where you are. Others of us can just smell the bread and we gave five pounds. Now, wait a minute now. The truth of the matter is, there's only one way to lose weight. And that's by faithfully counting calories. Or <laughs> faithfully going to the gym. Or faithfully working out. I'm preaching the Bible tonight or by faithfully exhibiting portion control. <laughs> That's the next thing to cussing right there, brother. It really is. It is. I was excited about this message until I got here. Now I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Somebody says, preacher, I just don't understand why I'm not losing weight. Well, you know what? After that third sweet roll, there's probably a reason. You see, we're not, we're not faithfully exhibiting portion control. Somebody says, Pastor, I'm going to the gym, but I'm not losing weight. And I said, well, uh, how long do you normally work out? Well, uh, I, the first time I worked out seven minutes. I said, okay, well, you know. And I said, how often do you go? Well, you say I went back in 2017. I went twice. And, uh, and I say, well, how, how much since then? Well, that was the last time we, I've been. Now, wait a minute now. <laughs> wait a minute now. Uh, this is all I'm saying. You're not going to lose weight like that. You don't lose weight by being sporadic. You lose weight by being, by being faithful. Do you know how you develop a gift, whatever your gift may be? 
Maybe your gift is the gift of preaching. Maybe your gift is the gift of writing. Maybe your gift is a gift of playing uh, an instrument of some kind. Do you know how you develop that gift, uh, uh, any kind of gift? Maybe, uh, maybe your gift is playing golf. Mine is not. Mine's more like a curse instead of a gift. Wait a minute now. You know how you develop that gift? You develop it by faithfully exercising that gift. You say, preacher, I know God's called me to preach, but I don't feel like I'm a very good preacher. What should I do? Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Just keep on preaching. Just keep on preaching. And you'll be like the, the young preacher that I talked to today that said, mercy. He said, I laid an egg. I mean, it was, I, it was terrible. I laid an egg. And you know what? If you're a preacher, you're going to feel like that. But you've got to keep on preaching. You've got to keep on preaching. You say, Pastor, I'm trying to learn how to play the piano, but I mean, it stinks. It really does. I mean, I know I'm driving my mom and daddy crazy, and, uh, and I see them walking around the house with cotton balls in their ears, and, uh, and what should I do? Keep on playing. Keep on playing. Uh, you, you develop that gift by, by continuing to faithfully exercise that gift. Now, like, like uh, Tiger Woods or not, and don't have to agree with his moral uh, living, but the guy's a great golfer. And I want you to listen to this. I found this this week about his typical day. This is a typical day of golf practice for Tiger Woods. It said, Woods explained that his golf practice routine over the course of a typical day goes something like this. Every single day. Two hours of driving range work and on-course swing work in the morning, followed by 30 minutes to an hour of putting practice. Around noon, I play nine holes of golf. In the afternoon, another three to four hours of on-course work focusing on the swing and short game. And then the afternoon session sometimes includes another nine holes playing golf. Now, again, the point here is this. You add all that up, that's at least about 10 hours a day. You say, Pastor, sounds like the life for me. Amen. And it would be for a few days. But after you've done that day after day after day after day after day after day after day, you know what? It wouldn't be as much of a blessing as you think. And yet Tiger Woods said every single day, this is my typical day that I'm studying and practicing on my golf game. Some of you folks that are playing instruments in the church. This week I looked and they said this. They said that some concert pianists practice three to five hours every single day they practice. Three to five hours every single day. Now, what's your point, Pastor? My point is this. Do you know when preaching is going to begin to affect your life? When you faithfully listen to it week after week, month after month, year after year. And I know sometimes the preacher starts to sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. And you say, I've heard him yell and scream and stomp and clap so many times. But listen to me. You pray before you come that your pastor will preach with moral conviction. But then you need to pray something else before you come. You need to say, Lord, help me to listen with moral conviction. And then you need to mix that and mingle that 
with fidelity. And make sure you're here every single service. It's funny. We're done. It's funny. Some people, sometimes, they come to me almost like they're surprised. And they'll say something like this, Pastor, I don't know why we're not growing. And sometimes I want to say, where were you Sunday night? And where were you the Wednesday night before that? And sometimes people will come in for counseling and they'll say, Preacher, I've got a catastrophe in my life. I need some counsel. And they'll begin to unfold their problem and their situation. And, and, and trying to be kind, oftentimes I look across the desk and I think, man, we just preached on that Sunday night. We just covered it. If you would have been here, and somebody said this, somebody said that preaching is counseling on a group scale. And that's true. That's true. Oh, listen. Make sure that you take that Bible preaching and you mingle it with faith. Amen. Father, love you. Thank you so much for this word tonight. It's helped me. And I was excited about giving it to your people. Lord, I pray that as preachers here in the church that you'll help us to always preach with moral conviction whether we're in this pulpit or we're in the nursing home or junior church or child evangelism or the jail ministry or a bus route, God help us to preach with moral conviction. But Lord, that's not enough. I pray that every time that we come, God will come praying, Lord, help me to hear with moral conviction. God, help me to understand that you're going to give me something today. You're going to have a word for me today. And then, God, I pray that you'd help us to mingle that with faithfulness and fidelity. Thank you for this word that you've given us tonight. I believe it's been a good word for our church, and it's been a good word for me, and I thank you for it. I pray you'll bless this time of invitation, and we pray that our Savior would be pleased. In his name we pray. Let's all stand tonight. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart tonight about any decision at all, And you need to come. Just come on tonight. Find your way to this old-fashioned altar this evening. Especially if you're here this evening and you do not know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, would you please come right now? I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my salvation, I want you to come. And we want to help you tonight. Would you do that? Would you come? While we wait, you come this evening.